0: Hi there and welcome to Global Heart Church. Uh, I'm Jared Keene, a Senior Pastor. And wherever you are tuning in from around the world today, really, really hope and pray that in our planning of this message that it's going to really inspire you for the great journey that you are on and uh, for the great calling that you have in your own life. So enjoy the message and really pray that it's a blessing to you today. We've been doing a series called Wisdom Builds the House. Gee, it's an important series because uh, your choices, your decisions um, can absolutely impact your life, your eternal life and impact uh, not just your life but you can be a person who impacts literally thousands of other people's lives that you may not ever meet just because of the decisions that you make in line with God's word. And uh, but you can also be building something, build your house for 20, 30, 40 years and you can wreck it in 20 minutes. So we have to be very we have to get wise to the fact and uh, I want to say to all the guys, particularly guys, get wise to the fact you can wreck what God's been doing in 20 minutes, which He's been taking decades to do. So we all need to say, Lord, help us not wreck what you started. And uh, what I discovered over many years, I thought it was just a few people, but now of 35 years pastoring, I realised that self-sabotage is a big issue for a lot of people. And self-sabotage means when we have not given our unaddressed insecurity to God, when we're not saying, Lord, take my insecurities, take my fears, take my worries, take my childhood, which you might need to say every day, I don't know, for the rest of your life, maybe. And, uh, but, you know, Sue and I still have to do that because we had such challenging childhoods. But what happens is people go along and then, you know, because they The disruption we had in childhood. Maybe our parents walked, or one of them walked. Maybe we were just all over the place. It's something in people, even ones serving God for decades, that we just seem to get our hand near. What I like to call as a a sabotage button. You can't see it, but it's there, and we like to get close to it and go boom at the most inappropriate time. I want to encourage you to get your hand off the sabotage button or you self sabotages get your hand off and say, Lord, help me to keep my hand way over here because you've started something and you might have been a Christian for a year. Unbelievably good. You've taken a year, that's a great journey already, but don't miss the rest of it by wrecking it uh, because of some foolish decision. And and just in line with that, most people think that God is doing geographical journeys with them. Uh, You'll hear me say it over and over again. He is not... God is geography to God is not the deal. The next group of people is not the deal. A new group of people is not the deal. God is always doing an internal journey. It's always internal. And, uh, but do you want the stat on that again? Do you want to hear that again? I think that kind of didn't help a lot of people last time. But I discovered it. Christians, I've been around Christians for, in London, in Sydney, in Perth for a long time. And I discovered the Christians who go on the internal journey would be about one in 50 The other 49, it's all external. The job, money, another partner, another city, another this, another that, another this, another church, another group of people, another marriage, another... They're all doing the external when everything with God is an internal journey. So join the one in 50 who's on that journey. Because if you do, you'll get free you become fulfilled and you will get to know Jesus in the way you're meant to know Him and then your life will light up with great joy because you know, wow, I'm actually walking in the Christian life, not what looks like one. So... Find the internal journal, journal, sorry, journalists. Yeah, that's good too. Find the internal journey people. Look for those people in the kingdom. Ah, who's on the internal journey here? And then make a friend of them because they're going to help you go forward because it's not external, it's internal. It's internal in Jesus' name. You know, uh, with having said that, there we go, there's my little... Wisdom builds the house, just trying to give some wisdom there. But one of the things uh, I want to touch on today, or speak on today, is developing great compassion for the lost. Developing great compassion for the lost. This is wisdom that will build your life. And this will be wisdom that will build the church. And this will be wisdom that will help save a lot of people if every one of us asked the Lord for the first time to help us develop great compassion for the lost or to give us a renewed compassion for the lost, no matter how long you've been a Christian for. I'm still ever so grateful for a lady called Diane White, who I only knew for one year when I was 17. So that's a few years ago now, 43 years ago. But I think quite a few have heard my story how Diane was in the Air Force and the Air Force houses were across the road and we were living in a housing commission area in Sydney, one of the worst areas. And my mother, look, she was probably in her 40s, but she looked like she was in her 60s worn down. We had poverty happening. We'd moved from where I started in my childhood, nice suburb in Sydney, to the worst suburb in Sydney, due to my dad drinking us to there. And this little Baptist lady who got moved there with her husband, she had a couple of kids. She, uh, he was in the Air Force and the Air Force houses were just down there, looked over and saw my mum. And she told me when I was young, she said to me, I saw your mum, how beaten down she was. I didn't know what was happening. And she said, and I, felt inspired by God to come and help you guys so anyway so she's the lady who crossed the road brought us to our house a casserole first time and uh and I was up for any casserole we were doing the same cheap meal every night and my mum was you know she was not in a place to be cooking meals she was just in a terrible state and then this lady brought us a second one and my mum said to her we don't take charity and I yelled out from the background, We do. <laughs> and I went, Thank you, lady. The first one was great. And then my mom's like, Shush to me. And I'm like, No, you shush. <laughs> Let the lady give it to us. And, then, and, uh, and so the, my mom took it. And then my mother was like, I don't know why that lady keeps bringing us this food. And I said, Because we don't have any. <laughs> that would be one of the reasons. Or we had very little, and what we had, you didn't want to eat. Anyway, and then the third time, Diane and my mother was not welcoming her. She was like, "There's something in her pride was like, you know, we were we were going to be broke and be proud. <sighs> Don't be broke and proud, everybody. It Doesn't get you anywhere." But my mom was being broke and proud, and then the third time she came, the, and she I remember she had this note on the top of it, and she wrote on the top, "Jesus loves you," and uh, and my mom. <laughs> She started to cry because she couldn't believe the woman brought us food again. This time, the woman had got into my mum's heart. But my mum turned around and said to me, she doesn't tell us Jesus loves us. We're Irish Catholic. We tell her Jesus loves her. I'm like... Just give me the casserole. (laughs) What on earth? And, And... Good on Diane because she when my mom cried, she came and gave my mom a hug, and I remember just getting out of their eyes out of the room you know and uh, but my mom ended up going to church with her, and uh, Diane just kept inviting my mom and when my mom went to church, she heard the gospel really for the first time, and uh, that you need to be born again, everybody you need to be born again, you need to be born by the holy spirit it 's not natural it 's supernatural, and so my mom uh, got saved and pretty quickly when she came home from that first Christian meeting she was different looked different her countenance had changed she was standing upright I just was like what's happened to you you crazy woman you know like <laughs> like we just went from various levels of crazy in my house and now she's looking all this happy I'm like I'm like <laughs> I'm like have you had a shot of something anyway <laughs> I was like what's going on and then she said to me no I'm saved and I was like well, good for you so anyway, but she uh, had become a Christian, and God immediately touched her as she responded to God. Then my two oldest brothers both gave their lives to Christ, and it was started a journey. Well Diane Steve Kelly and I worked out because she moved away a year and a half later, never saw her again, and, uh, and i didn 't ever get the magnitude of Diane coming into our lives. But Steve Kelly and I worked out because I led Steve Kelly to the Lord, who now will be here for the men 's conference uh, in 2024. Uh, Steve and I sat down and worked out, through Diane, Thirty to 40,000 people have come to Christ at least. At least. And so Diane would be now in heaven, I'm pretty sure, because she was a little bit older than my mum. So so I said to the Lord, I'm looking forward to seeing her. I'm going to have a chat with her. Because her compassion... And even knowing that my mother was actually being rude to her, her pushing through and pushing again and going again and going again and going again, and going again led to thousands of people being out of hell. And if you think about it, churches here today that you're going to because of Diane White. <laughs> if you think about it, like the Lord is... The Lord builds His church, right? But the Lord anointed her then, and she's thinking, I'm just cooking casserole. And God's like, no, no, you're cooking up churches. (laughs) You're cooking up people being set free from hell and brought into life. She's stirring the pot, not realising (laughs) that God's saying, yeah, don't worry, Diane, you don't need to be a preacher. She's maybe sitting there thinking, oh, I've never preached. Maybe I should have been helping preach somewhere. God's like, no, no, just cook the casserole. And cook another casserole, Diane. And actually you'll be church planting shortly. Don't put down everybody what God's put in your hand. And don't put down the fact that you're not somebody else. Diane was, she was not a platform ministry at all. She was just a compassionate woman who decided in the middle of her own busy life, to cross the road several times and then even persist after bringing the food, of, she now needs to get my mum not just to eat the food, but come to church and to get saved. Everybody, we need to realize when the Bible talks about us being saved, it means that we're being saved from something. So the Bible talks about being saved. You shall be saved. What from? <laughs> what does that mean? can I just suggest today again that it's much bigger than we all know. It's much larger than we all know. And uh, Jesus in the Gospels is actually speaking. And when he's speaking, he's often talking about what eternity is like without him. And it is terrible. It is terrifying. And yet, It's amazing how many, and even pastors around the world, they try and minimise what Jesus is actually declaring is a place called hell that you do not want to go to. And that in the Scripture, it's not unclear that this place will be a place of torment and terror, and it's horrendous. So when the Bible is talking about being saved, it's being saved from that. And then we think, oh no, well that couldn't be because that's so terrible. Hang on, listen, if it wasn't the hellish, terrible place that Jesus spoke about and the Scripture teaches about, Jesus would never have come. He's God's only Son. God's Son came to earth. If we could be saved, if you could be saved, if you could have eternal life any other way than Jesus Christ, God's only son dying on the cross, then God would have taken any other way. And if, what, and if eternal life without God was like, it was fine, it's kind of, you know, because you hear, Aussies, what, Aussie's like, oh no, I'm not going to heaven, I'll be in hell with me, friends, having a barbecue. You know, trying to downplay it. But the Bible tells us it's a place of terror. And the Bible is not unclear And we don't like it. We don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. It's terrible. But I'm also reminded, why did Jesus have to come? Why did He have to die? Why? Why Him? Couldn't you have sent somebody else? Couldn't you have sent someone else to pay that price? Couldn't I have sold cookies to old people for 20 years? Do good works. Get in. And God's like, no, the only way you can be, Saved is through Jesus dying on the cross. But God then calls every saved person to develop and to allow God to develop in them and ask God to give them His heart for the loss and to fill us with great compassion. In Luke 16, 19 to 31, this is such a powerful story, everybody. And Jesus is telling it And everybody's gathered around listening. And I'm going to read it to you now. And it says in verse 19 of Luke 16, there was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen, lived in luxury every day. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. The time came when when the beggar died And the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. And in Hades, where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him and said, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I'm in agony in this fire. But Abraham replied, Son, son, remember that in your lifetime, you received all your good things. While Lazarus received bad things, but now he is comforted here and you are in agony. And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been set in place so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. And he answered, listen to this, then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my family. For I have five brothers, let him warn them so that they will not also come to this place of torment. Abraham replied, they have Moses and the prophets, let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. And he said to him, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they'll not be convinced even if somebody rises from the dead. Wow. The Bible teaching us and Jesus showing us and all the people tuning in around and He's letting them know, listen, in eternity there's a chasm. And this rich man, it's not just because he was rich, he was lost. And he's saying that he's suffering so much, he's saying, just dip your finger in water and cool my tongue, that would be good because I'm in agony here. And then he says, go and tell my family, go and warn them. Don't let anybody come here. Don't let anybody come to this place. And Jesus lets us know at the end there, He already knows He's gonna die and rise from the dead. And He's speaking in verse 21 and says, and even if somebody rises from the dead, there will still be people who won't believe even when they see Jesus risen from the dead. So Jesus is saying, even if I was to rise from the dead for some people, they say like, nah. Even if Jesus stood in front, and the Bible says Jesus was marred beyond human likeness, by the way. They couldn't even recognise Him. He was so destroyed. The passion got it was very close to exactly what happened to Jesus. And so Jesus is saying to us, go and warn. He's using the story, go and warn people. Go and tell people you don't want to be there. Go and tell them to come and be saved. Go and rescue them. And 49 times in the Scriptures, Sheol, which is the word for hell, is mentioned. For, not four, forty-nine 49 times. Hades is, the, Hades is the Greek word for hell. So the Bible's sending us, now everybody, this is a real place and that we need to be reaching people and we need to say, Lord, give us a compassion for the lost. In Isaiah 57 verse 20, it says, But the wicked are like the tossing sea, for it cannot be quiet, and its waters toss up refuse and mud, there is no peace, says God, for the wicked. So the bible's saying there is an internal there's just the tossing of the ocean in the wicked, there's no peace there, and we need to realize that the wicked is, was me, <laughs> it was us, no peace, fear, anxiety, stress, worry, sin all over the place, and God wants to come and bring peace. To the heart of every wicked soul, and every wicked person who has many times at odds to God, Matthew thirteen verse forty-eight says, "They drew to the shore, they sat down and gathered the good into vessels, but threw away the bad." And look what happens here: Jesus grabs the moment as they gathered the good into the vessels and threw away the bad. It says here so it will be at the end of the age the angels will come forth separate the wicked from among the just and cast them into the furnace of fire there will be wailing and gnashing of teeth and then Jesus said to them have you understood all these things and they said to him yes lord Jesus quickly jumped in with a message to say listen this is what's going to happen at the end of time he's going to say you know those who've put their faith in Jesus Christ and in uh, what He did on the cross, He's going to say, come, beloved of my Father, inherit the promises. Or He's going to say, depart from me. You workers of iniquity, I never knew you. Did you know that? Jesus is going to say, actually, no, I didn't know you. Depart from me. But He's going to say, come, those who put their faith and their trust in me, receive eternal life and come. And, and I love what the Bible says, eye has not seen, ear has not heard what God has prepared for those who love Him. So God has prepared great things. And actually, that's also in this life. But in eternity, that's absolutely so. That God has prepared a place for us in eternity. But God is always looking for people who will bring the Gospel. He's always looking for Diane's. He's always looking for Diane's. And if you're a new believer, Watchman Nee, the great Christian Chinese leader, he said if a believer in Christ does not preach in his first two years of his conversion, he may not likely open his mouth again. Everybody, if you're a new Christian, get talking, get sharing, get speaking, so that it becomes part of your life in Jesus' Name. C.S. Lewis, the great English Christian literary genius who was an atheist and said he was brought to God because of his mind. He said, the church exists for nothing else but to draw men to Christ. Wow. And he says, uh, all the cathedrals, clergy, missions, sermons, even the Bible itself are simply not important when it comes to the fact that God became man for no other purpose than to save man. So everybody, we've got to go, hang on. (laughs) Jesus came to save us. He became man so that we might be saved from what I just talked about. Reinhard Bonnke said, you may not be allowed to stand on the pulpit in your church to preach, but every junction in your area is a pulpit. Stand there and preach. (laughs) Stand there and preach. I remember when I was uh, only in my early 20s being in a government department where they had all the desks were in like, you know, like a row of six desks and it went back probably about eight rows or something back. And uh, there was me and one other guy who were Christians and all the other guys, they just set out to give me hell because I became a Christian while I was there. And, um, and uh, they just gave me the hardest time. I was just like, Lord God, get me out of here. Jesus, do you hate my life or whatever? Because it was such horrible going to work there. And, uh, but two amazing things happened because I just kept trying to love. I kept trying to be kind. I I shared my faith. They'd come along and ask me a question and the whole office would hear it. And I'd try and respond and try and do it with some warmth and some grace. And uh, the guy who was the worst to me, the worst ever, he was just, he he was just terrible. One day he rings me and says to me, can you have lunch with me? Now I'm in my 20s, he's in his 40s. And I'm thinking, why would I have lunch with you? What are you going to say to me now? Because you're so rude to me. And I said, um, yeah. And then he said, <laughs> and I was like, ah. And the Lord was about to teach me, be compassionate because you don't know what's actually going on behind people's eyes. Just because you see their face and what they're doing. So anyway, when I had lunch with him, I went down, I thought, what is he going to say to me now? And he says, my wife's just left me, I'm falling apart. He goes, I don't know what to do. And I just was like, so shocked. And, uh, and so his name was Reg. And I said, Reg, I just told him how I became a Christian. He said, I saw you became a Christian. What's all that about? And I said, obviously, I said, you don't sound very thrilled with it in the office. He goes, no, I'm just, he goes, I'm just like that. Anyway, I told him what happened to me. And I said to him, will you come to church with me? He came to church with me in a week's time. And uh, when he came to church first night, gave his life to the Lord. Then he brought his son. His son gave his life to the Lord. And, uh, and he just became this changed guy who started singing when he came in the office and then they started attacking him, which was really good. <laughs> I got a break at last. <laughs> and, uh, and I was like, this is good. Go for him. Anyway, but... Um, but uh, he went on for the Lord and became a beautiful Christian. In actual fact, when I used to come back to uh, Australia, soon I went to London, playing the church in England. When I come back, he would be the first person on my phone saying, hey, um, can we catch up every time? And he'd be telling me what God was doing in his life and his family's life. And, and uh, it was great. But listen to me, once again, I was in the most painful, difficult, aggravating place and I was in the will of God. I was surrounded by people I didn't want to be with. I didn't want to do the job. And uh, yet God said to me, I put you there. And God was saying, and actually God was saying, I'll let you go through this because this is going to prep you for what's coming. He's like, where do you go to Perth? The people there, gee. (laughs) No, I think it was more like London. (laughs) Go to London. Ah. So God was prepping me. And by the way, when I left there, you guys ready for this? This is so funny. For everybody who thinks God can't even turn it around. When I left there, um, <laughs> the boss of the area, they did a, they did a, a, a like a gift for Sue and I, Sue, Sue and I were getting, I think, I think we got married, yeah, I got married while I was there. And then when I came out, it was like I'd won prices right. They bought me the most amount of gifts. And then the, the guy who was the supervisor, who just used to say to me, turn around, stop telling Jesus to everybody. He would be like real rude with me. He got up and he says, well, Jared, you've been like a son to me. I'm like, wow, it's like the Adams Family anyway. <laughs> like, what the heck? And I just stood there with a big smile on my face thinking, Lord, this has been the funniest experience ever. I've been a son to him. I'm like, what? So it showed me again too. It was actually going in. It was actually touching their hearts. And even though he was rejecting Jesus, in which I told him later, you know, before I left, I said, mate, don't reject Jesus your whole life. You need to get your life right with God. And, uh, and he, he just, was, he listened to me then. But my, my job was done. I was there for that time. I want to encourage everybody, you've got a job to do right now. Where is, where's God placed you? Maybe your do- job's not done yet. Don't move because God's like, no, I want you to reach somebody. I want you to pass to somebody. I want you to help somebody. Carl, F. Henry said something, which is scary for me, he said, the gospel is only good news if it gets there in time. Gee. The Gospel is only good news if it gets there in time. Everybody, let's ask the Lord to help us be on time. Lord, help me to be on time here. Because sometimes I can be, you know, slowing down what God's trying to do because I just won't open my mouth and speak. You know, um, C.T. Studd, wow, he's amazing, man of God. He said, Some wish to live within the sound of a chapel bell, like the church bell. He said, I wish to run a rescue mission within a yard of hell. Wow. Everybody, there's people in hell all around us. Jesus needs us to grow in compassion. He needs us to begin to respond to Him and respond to the Bible challenge. And uh, by the way, Christianity is supernatural or it's nothing at all. Christianity is supernatural, it's nothing at all. And I wanna encourage everybody, take a risk. Get out of your comfort zone. You've got one life to live. Diane lived hers as well. Thank God she did. Because who knows where, we'd be in hell now. I'd be in terrible state now. But Diane got out of her comfort zone. She paid that cost and because of that, we're now saved and our family saved and our children are now saved. Diane, you go, girl. <laughs> and all the Dianes at Global Heart Church today, come on, you go. Because we don't know what God is gonna do. You know, uh, one of the most uncomfortable times for me was when we went to plant the church in England. Planting the church in Perth was like a dream. I had a beach view. <laughs> but planting the church in, in London was so difficult. No, We had no social media back then. And, and, uh, and uh, just... I just said to the Lord Lord what do you want me to do and He goes go and door knock those housing commission high rises and I was like again Lord door knock them yourself <laughs> I've counseled the Lord many times and He's not responded <laughs> He's like no I need you to door knock them and then He told me there was a golden needle in the haystack of housing commission apartments, and there was so anyway, I went door knocking them all and one day you guys you'll just laugh because I just was taking a risk take a risk Step out, and I door knocked, and I had this funny guy from the north of England with me, Ray, who's now with the Lord. Oh gosh, he was a comedy show, and he was so helpful at the time. God sent him to give me good uh, comedic um, backup. Anyway, <laughs> comfort. I knocked on the door, and I never forget when I opened this door. This girl comes to me and she goes, "Yeah," and I went, "Hey, um, we just uh, wanted to let you know we started a church down here, and you'd be so welcome to come. And if you've got kids, and we'd love you to be there." There's a it'll really, you know, bless your kids. It'll bless you. It'll really help you with any challenges and problems you're facing because it's, it's really helped me. And then she goes to me, no. And I went, yeah. She, she's like, no way. And I went, yeah. I said, down here. And then she goes, wait there. Shuts the door, walks off. So I'm standing there with Ray and Ray says to me, ooh, you got a live one here, Pastor. Ooh. And he goes, what do you think's going on? I said, I got no idea. So we're standing there next minute. She comes back. She's got another girl with her. And the other she says, to her, she says to me, tell her what you just told me. So I said, well, we just started church down here and I know you're gonna have problems and challenges because I have them. And I said, God's really helped me. And I said, you're gonna get answers for your problem. If you've got kids, you're gonna be able really to help. And this girl goes, no way, mate. And I went, yeah, what is this no way thing? <laughs> and then she said, we were just standing there 30 seconds ago and, I, and she said, I said to her, I wonder if God is real. And she said, and then you knocked on the door. So I went, yes, I'm from him. <laughs> 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 and she was like, oh, wow. <laughs> said, so time to respond. <laughs> so, anyway, so, so anyway, the story of that, uh, those two girls, one of them's name was Jackie. She was a, really in a bad way. Had uh, cirrhosis of the liver. They both were in a really bad state. That next Sunday, they came to church. It was their first or second week of church. I preached, and the two of them got up and went in the toilet. Well, when you got 15, 20 people there, it's like the two people were about to get saved, went to the bathroom. And anyway, she comes out the bathroom, and church is happening. you got the worship, a couple of guitarists. Made. She comes out, she goes, Oi, to me. And I'm like, mm? I've just given the order call for salvation. She goes, Oi. And I went, Yeah. She goes, Mate, I'll do what that is about, you know, Jesus, the cross, and heaven. And I said, oh, you want to get saved? She goes, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> I had the two of them come down the front. They both gave their lives to the Lord. And they both joined our church. We're in home group and everything. Bless Jackie. Oh. She's at probably end of her 30s. Really bad. It's the liver. She rings me and Sue and says hey, Pastor, and to, she said, they've told me I haven't got long left. And so we were all around her, but she said, I haven't got long left. And then she said to me, thanks so much for knocking on my door. She said, don't cry. I'll cry now. She goes, I know where I'm going. I know I'm saved. I know God loves me. I know I'm forgiven. And so she says, I'm good to go. So she goes, she goes. Uh, Tell Sue, lovely Sue, I'll see her up there. And she goes, you, Pastor Jared, keep preaching, because she goes, there's a lot of people out there like me. So she goes, go hard, and she goes, I'll see you and Sue soon. She passed away within the week. See, compassion will get you to cross the road. Compassion will get you to door knock. <laughs> the council flats when the door's being slammed in your face, it'll get you to it'll get you to do stuff that you just thought I could never do that. But compassion will get you to talk. Compassion will get you to speak. Compassion will get you to move. You know, and uh, it'll get you it'll get you up and going. Can I encourage everybody? There's we need a great compassion. Last one, another another, just the last two I'll tell you. <laughs> Probably about uh, six months after that when they got saved. I was complaining because it was raining and I lost the rest of my evangelism team and it was just me and I was meeting people and talking and doing stuff. And anyway, and I was like, Lord, why, where is the rest of the Christian population? And the Lord's like, He doesn't enter into those conversations, by the way. He just says, and by the way, He says, ask me what you should do. That's what the Lord says to all of us. Ask me what you should do. Ask me who I should talk to. That's all I'm doing. And then Lord says, go on the street. Anyway, what happened is we knocked on another guy's door and he uh, family in a terrible state as well. So anyway, I was going to see him have a quick coffee. I'll just finish with this. And I'm complaining the whole way. Lord, like really? The rest of Australia is on the beach and the rest of the Christian world is not doing this. And the Lord's like, you know, Jared, can you just give it to me and I'm gracing you and you're going to see good things. And I'm like, Amen. <sighs> I was a beautiful, beautiful servant, right? Just touching how beautiful I was. So anyway, so when I got there, this is so just impacted me to this day. When I knocked on the door, the guy, this guy got saved in our church and he, as I said, his family's real, so, so many challenges. And he was in his, he opened the front door, it's raining, he's got a towel around him and he goes, oh, Pastor Jared, how are you? And I said, good mate. I said, oh, I'll come back. He goes, no, no, no. He goes, it's fine, I'll just get something on, right? And he goes, chucked his clothes and I came back and had a cup of tea with him and he says to me, so funny you've come now because God just spoke to me about you. So here's me, everybody, complaining. Where's the rest of Australia? Am I the only suffering missionary in the whole of the world? Yes, I am. <laughs> and he says to me, "I was in the shower, Pastor, just before you got here." And he said, "And I goes, I'm only new to all of this." He goes, "But God spoke to me." And I said, "What did He say, Des? And he says, "God said to me, He sent you from the other side of the world so that I could be saved." He said, "He sent you from the other side of the world and sent you to my door." so that I could hear the good news and the gospel and be saved. And he goes, Pastor Jared, thank you so much. He goes, I just got this understanding of what you'd actually done. And I was like, I am a terrible person. I said to myself, I am a terrible, terrible, shocking Christian. <laughs> and he just gives me a hug at the door. And I said, he goes, come on, let's have a cuppa. Came in and had a cup of tea with him. Like, everybody, you don't have to do everything but look around you. Is there a door you need to go to? Is there somewhere you need to cross the road? Somewhere in work, somewhere in the office? Who's there? Where has God placed you? Because you are anointed to reach the lost. We just need to say to the Lord, give us compassion for them. If you don't yet see Jesus, you don't yet understand, that's fine. We were all there. I didn't get it. I didn't understand any of it until I was birthed by the Holy Spirit. The birthing of the Holy Spirit is when God begins to reveal His Bible to you, I'm reading the Bible I'm like what, and suddenly I'm born by the Holy Spirit, and I'm like, Oh wow! <laughs> oh wow! And the Lord's bringing it alive for the first time because I'm not now reading as a history piece, I'm now reading it as the living Word of God, and the Holy Spirit is bringing it alive. Listen, everybody, God wants to bring the Word of God alive to you. Your life is short, life is short, gee, it is, it's short. You need to know this. God loves you so much. He's come to save you. First off, boom, come to save you, come to rescue you, save you from what I just talked about. But then He wants to use you. How incredible is that? Thank you so much for joining us online today. Really great to have you with us. And special thanks to those also who give online. Your generosity is making the way for others to hear the message of Jesus, both here in Australia and around the world.